0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is SECQB on the Believe Podcast Network. and welcome back to the SEC QB podcast presented by betonline.ag coming to you from the Believe Podcast Network. We appreciate you joining us again. Uh, We're going to get right into it. We'll jump right into it from from action last week and then uh, cover some of our top performers and then go through our picks for this upcoming week. But Josh, I I wanted to really open up with Kyle Trask at Florida. To me, it's had another unbelievable week and Florida, I think, is, is surprising uh, a lot of people out of the East right now. And, and Kyle Trask, I don't know. I watched him. I went back and watched that tape. And his accuracy downfield right now is something that's surprising me because when he first came on the scene, he was known Ooh. for his checkdowns and dink and dunk. And, and now it feels like they're really forcing the ball downfield. I don't, I don't know what impression you have of him so far.
1: I, just, I think he looks very comfortable in Mullins' offense. And being a second-year starter, last year he had a phenomenal year. Uh, this year, of course, he started the year red hot. I think his passer rating's like one ninety six or something like that. I mean, he's been pretty much perfect in the first two games: ten touchdowns, one pick, seventy two percent completion percentage. But you know, both performances because he's only played two conference games and two games on the season. You look at the points they've scored in those two games: eighty nine points. I think they're averaging seven, seven or eight yards. A- play uh, offensively and uh, he's just a strong Texas kid he's 6'5 240 comes from the state of Texas I mean he just looks comfortable he's tough he's a gamer he doesn't get greedy Uh, that tight end really helps him out a lot anytime you got a tight end like they've got there uh, with Pitts, it's kind of an x factor you can get completions you can he's a red zone target a big guy that you know has made some big plays down the field too you mentioned uh, some of the throws he's he's made Uh, When I look at him as an NFL prospect, I'm thinking you know mediocre arm strength, but uh, he's not mistake prone, and you know he gets the ball out on time. He just he's an accurate passer. I I I was actually in Atlanta this week uh, for a golf tournament and was staying with two that are Florida alumni, Gator guys and uh, UF guys, and and they said you know what the only thing that they'd like to see him do better, and they're they're football guys. One's the head marketing guy for Urban urban meyer uh sports marketing guys and they said they would like to see him throw guys a little bit more open but he anticipates correctly he just sometimes throws uh you know to a spot and not uh, you know leading receiver so i look back at some film and he reminds me a lot of Dak prescott to be honest with you big frame uh maybe a little less speed uh uh, for him uh you know with his legs but uh just a strong kid like i said six five two forty how can you how can you, uh, you know, how can you say that he he can't sit in the pocket, take hits uh, week in, week out, and, and, and he is an NFL prospect now?
0: Yeah, it, what's, what's crazy to me right now for Florida is this is the first time in a long time that Florida's offense is outshining their defense, and it's not even close right now. I mean, you go back to their opening week against Ole Miss, they give up something like 650 yards of total offense to Ole Miss, but they're scoring at such a rapid clip that, I think you've got to put them, I mean, obviously right there with with Georgia coming down yeah. at the end of the year for the East. And we'll get to, to Georgia and Tennessee in a little bit. But I think early on in the season, they've been really impressive. And this is a big one coming up this weekend with A&M. But we'll, uh, we'll touch on that one in a little bit. wanted to transition over the another guy that, that jumped out to me this week. Stetson Bennett is, is surprising me. And I don't know how you feel about it. But I go back, I watch the tape and sort of dug through his performance last week against Auburn. And he's just, you talk about getting the ball out of your hand quick. He's mm-hmm. decisive. He's got a really quick release. I mean, he's not a big dude. He, he can't be bigger than 5'11, six foot, but when he gets the ball out of his hand, I mean, it is, he's got a, that quick release that whip that we talk about with quarterbacks. And I love his decision-making and, and the thing that I like most about him is his moxie you can tell he thinks he belongs there and he does and, and that's what you've got to have out of your quarterback
1: yeah i was surprised they went with him uh with jt daniels uh healthy uh but i like i like what i saw i mean the look at uh, you know looking at the film like you did uh, i think what was really good for him was the emergence of that Karis jackson i mean nine catches for 147 kind of complements George Pickens, who's an All-American on the other side. Karras had four huge third-down grabs. Now, a lot of that you got to attribute to Stetson and his ability to get the ball out on time and accurate and get it to the receivers. I think that's what Georgia missed last year was anything out on the perimeter, uh, any firepower out on the perimeter. And if Stetson can get the ball out to those guys and then this kid Jackson comes on, you know, you're talking about Georgia being a top three or four team in the country. And uh, they play defense just outstanding. I think they're number one defensively in the nation right now after two weeks. They don't let anybody in the end zone. So, you know, when they do tie it up with Florida uh, in a couple of weeks, that's going to be really fun to watch because Georgia's defense is so good. Florida's offense is so good. And then if Stetson Bennett can play well, and like you said, he had a little moxie, he's a tiny guy, but he can flick it out there. And, and that's what Kirby Smart wants, is someone that can get the ball to the right guy to their playmakers. and yep. Some of those guys make the plays.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing that you go back and watch them and any team that really makes a push for the final four and certainly a national championship, like we always talk about it, it starts up front and that's what jumps out to me on tape when I watch Georgia's offensive line is they move as a unit and offensive and defensive line, they just controlled the tempo against Auburn. And if you have that type of production out of those units, I think Georgia, they're going to be right there at the end of the year. Um, closing out sort of the the favorites for the SEC East will transition over to, to Tennessee. They looked good against Missouri, but it wasn't anything, you know, it, it was, uh, I still think they haven't really expanded the playbook yet. Garantano does look sharp. I think he's, he's taken care of the ball to this point, uh, but they've got to get the ball downfield because they're not going to be able to just line up and run what looks more or less like base offense right now. They're not going to be able to line up and do that against Georgia. What, what do you see out of them? Yeah, you said it perfect. And I, I mentioned
1: firepower in the emergence of Jackson at Georgia is Tennessee needs to create a little bit of firepower on the outside. You know, they threw the ball 23 times. They ran it 49 times. So they want to create a little bit more balance. There's going to be a need for balance in big games when they do have to face, uh, you know, the Georgias of the world. So, I I think that's what they got to improve on. Um, You know, they can run the football, Eric Gray. I think he had 103 yards rushing, Ty Chandler, 90 yards rushing. So two headed, um, one, two punch. They're a two headed monster offensively in the backfield, but uh, you know, they've got to be able to throw the ball. They're going to have to be able to throw the ball deep into the season. And this week is going to be a monster game for them because they're not going to face a better defense in the East than Georgia. They got them this week on the road and that's, be a tough, a tough place to go win. Um, you know, if you don't, if you can't throw the ball because Georgia is going to find ways to score points and play good on defense, they've got to be able to stick their stick their neck in there and, and compete, uh, you know, and stay balanced.
0: Yep. I, I'm just excited for Tennessee fans because Tennessee is one of those programs to me. That's like a, like a Miami or a USC. You want Tennessee to be good. College football is just better when Tennessee is good. And the last few years with them being sort of in the the bottom half of, of the SEC East and certainly the bottom half of the SEC overall, it just feels better when you've got three teams out of the East that really feel like strong contenders. Um, and would love to see like a South Carolina get in the mix like that as well. But for Tennessee fans, I think there's a lot early in the season that, that um, you have to be excited about and excited to, to watch as this plays out between yep. Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. But, I want to move over, I think this game, and I was, so Saturday night, I was watching a full slate of games, but I had to go back and watch the Mississippi State and Arkansas game, because it was on like the SEC plus network, and I'm like, yeah. we were out, and I couldn't get, I couldn't get it on anywhere, so I had to go back and watch this thing, but I'm, tr- I'm tracking the game, and I'm like, what is going on with Mississippi State's offense, it was, you know, they still have seven points in the, in the fourth quarter, you go back and turn the tape on and Barry Odom defensive coordinator of Arkansas hats off to him. I mean, absolute dominant performance. And what they did is they said, KJ Costello, we're going to make you dink and dunk and take check downs all game. We're going to put our deep safeties. We're going to put them at 12, 15 yards and backpedal. And you're not getting behind us like they did against LSU. And I'm, I would love to get your thoughts on with the, the air raid now is in the SEC, but this looks like Arkansas found a way to slow this thing down.
1: They did, you know. They baited Costello twice on two of his three picks, and uh, you know he tried to force some plays on the sideline, and and they were picked off. It, you know he gave up a pick six in the first quarter on their on their first drive, so it really gave Arkansas some hope early on. I think that got them jacked up, and in the into the ball game. Arkansas hadn't won a uh, sec game and in, in 20 contests. So that was just a humongous win for them. But if you look at really the outcome, the stats, of the game, the keys to the game, Felipe Franks didn't turn the ball over. He's, he's turnover prone too. So that's what exactly what they needed from Felipe Franks at, at Arkansas was, Hey, don't turn the ball over, play solid. He threw two touchdowns, no picks in the game and it gave them a chance at the end. And that's exactly what happened. Costello didn't have a great game. They did, they, they, You know, he had to throw 59 times, but he didn't have near the offensive production he did the week before against LSU just because of Arkansas and the way they played defensively. So, you know, it, it kind of maybe it was a, a hangover. They laid a little bit of an egg. Mississippi State, seven points in the first half, seven points in the second half. They just didn't do much offensively. Sure didn't run the ball, but, um, you know, Arkansas, you got to give, give them a lot of credit for, for uh, being able to uh, steal a win in Starkville.
0: Yeah, that would, that one, I think shocked a lot of people, but Arkansas is another team. I think they're playing a lot. They're defensively, they're playing much more sound than they were previously. And um, Arkansas is another one that it's going to be a couple year rebuild process, but a win like that, I I think there's another program that if you're a Razorback fan, you've got a lot to be hopeful for in my mind. Another one that, this one in the next couple games will break down. I, I don't think shocked very many people. Bama and AM AM still just doesn't look like they belong. And and I I want that. I'm based in Austin. I'm am in AM, Aggie, and Longhorn Country. A M want so badly to belong in the SEC West, but they get in these big moments against the Auburns and the Bamas of the world and LSU, and it just doesn't happen. And this again was one where outclassed by Nick Saban. Mac Jones looked pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mac Jones is interesting to me because he's not Tua. Tua has a bazooka. I mean, that guy's arm is so live, but Mac Jones doesn't have that. He's not going to rip the ball 40 yards downfield on a laser. He he doesn't have that arm, but he, to me, looks incredibly accurate. I still think they can go a long way. I still think this is a, they can win a national championship with Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. Do you agree?
1: I agree, man. I think uh, I think he, you know, he's the luxury of having a lot of weapons around him and a great running game and a great offensive line, three unbelievable receivers. I mean, that John Meche or whatever, huge day, uh, and they already have two All-Americans out wide. So, I mean, it's just it's, they're nasty on offense. They're always nasty on defense, I think, for Texas A&M. Ah, uh, pass defense was a real issue against them because they just got so many weapons, so much speed on the outside, and it doesn't get any easier for a And M this week because they get Florida at home, and Florida's put up what I say eighty-nine points in the first two games, and yep. they probably got the best quarterback in the in the league right now, or the hottest quarterback. I mean, but Mac Jones, he had an easy four thirty-five against Texas A And M, and like yep. you said, it, you know that can't happen. If you're at A And M, you better play defense. That's what they've hung their hat on for years and years and years. And uh, that's what they're all about, you know, is playing just just hard-nosed defense. Um, that's what you think about when you think about the Aggies. So they need to step their defense up. Pass defense, like I said, is a real issue, and it's killing
0: them. Yeah, A&M, like you mentioned, this thing is not letting up for them, right? I mean, this if they don't get – this is as close to a must-win as you're going to find in your third week of the season as you're going to get. Because um, if they don't win this – you're fighting, you're just going to be scrapping and clawing for third or fourth out of the SEC West. I mean, it's just going to be really hard to to stay relevant if they lose this week. Another one that I don't think shocked anybody, your alma mater, LSU. I went back and and start, I was going to do a, another deep dive and then very quickly realized that this is, as we expected, uh, just outclassed Vandy. Vandy's starting a true freshman quarterback. I think is going to, he's, he did some nice things, but anything stand out to you in this one?
1: Well, you know, two weeks ago LSU really struggled uh, with pass defense, and and Vandy plays into LSU's strength. It's the run D, obviously. We we've got a good corner that came back, Derek Stingley, top probably top ten player in college football. He really helped out a lot. Elias Ricks, uh, the freshman from IMG, on the other end, he had the second pick of the season and leads the SEC in interceptions. I, I but I just think athletically, Vandy is just there's no way. If LSU doesn't turn the ball over right. four or five times, can compete with an LSU just athletically on the field. And that's exactly what happened. Miles Brennan had a field day, four touchdowns. Um, you know, it's a, I think that's a record. He first two starts, he's got he's thrown for seven touchdowns in his first two games as a starter, which is a record. Burrow didn't even do that. So I, I just think that, you know, that was an easy win. Um they go on the road and play Missouri this week, and that'll be a little bit better of a contest, but um, they just outclassed those two teams athletically uh, in a major way.
0: Yeah, this will be interesting with the the game getting shuffled around, but I still think, you know, if you look at some of these schools that they're opening slate, you're like, man, they've got it. Like A&M's first three, you're like, man, outside of Vanderbilt, they had a tough opening stretch here. Or LSU, you look at that Mississippi State, Then Vandy and then Missouri, you would have said that's about as easy as you're going to get for an opening three games in in the SEC. But I think it it timed up nicely for them to get a a rebound win against somebody like you said that they just outclassed because they needed something like that to get their mojo back after dropping the opener to Mississippi State. But last one to cover from from last week's slate, and I, I watched this game start to finish live. I thought it was a really entertaining game. Ole Miss in Kentucky. This is one that it felt like these teams now they play totally different styles of football and offense, but that they're in a similar sort of phase right now. They're both trying to figure out who they are. And with you know, Lane Kiffin, their offense is pretty explosive normally, but they really didn't force the ball downfield that much until the second half. In Kentucky, again, giving games away in, in, in the second half. Matt Corral, I thought, played really well. He's—they've uh, had this, you know, Mason—or I'm not Mason, but Plumlee, uh, the other quarterback. I think they got to stop mixing him in because Corral deserves to have all the reps right now. He, he's playing at a really high level. Did anything stand out to you in that game? Well, I think
1: just the way Corral handled. it. Was his business. I mean, he moves well. He's athletic. 24, 29, 320. He made it look easy. One in completion in the fourth quarter when they rallied. Of course, they won in overtime. What a game it was. I mean, I enjoyed that game as much as I did any other game last week in college football. I just like the way that Lane Kiffin's letting Matt Corral throw the ball all over the place and trusting him not to turn the ball over. I mean, it's, you know, the, it, when you have a quarterback that's that athletic, uh, Plumlee is not a thrower. He's a runner. We saw him last year. He had a huge game against LSU actually rushing the football. But in that offense with Lane Kiffin, it's a throw, it's a passer's dream, right? So it's like playing for Mississippi State Mike Leach. Uh, Lane Kiffin wants to throw the football. He's going to run it some and try to stay balanced, but Corral gives him a way better opportunity to, to win offensively. Uh, in that offense. So uh, you got to go with Matt Corral, no question. But he was super efficient, only five incompletions all day in a game that uh, they really needed to win uh, against that Kentucky team. So it was fun to watch; I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, Kentucky, you got to feel for it. I mean, that opener against Auburn, they they gave that one away. And then this one there in the driver's seat, and they miss a field goal. I think it was in the third quarter. And you could start to feel it's sort of, you know, the, the momentum's shifting back towards Ole Miss and that just feels like a young team that you got to get a win under your belt and, and build some momentum and I think they've got some you know, Terry Wilson at quarterback I think does some good things for them, uh, but they need to get get a win quickly because I think they do have the talent to, to win a few games this season but I don't think we'll see them competing for the East. Uh, wanted to get just from a recap on the week. Was there somebody that stood out to you as sort of your top performer at the at the quarterback position for the week?
1: Well, you know I like Mac Jones. I, I think he made it look very easy. I think he averaged eighteen yards per uh, per pass completion. I mean Sarkeesian doing a wonderful job there. They have all the weapons. There's no doubt about it. He's got the great running back Najee Harris behind him, who's a three down back if he wants to be. Uh, they've got a bevy of players, they always do, but it just looks so easy. Uh, Weddle's running by the, you know, secondary players. He's putting the ball in the money on time. He's accurate. Uh, you know, he's 6'4". He's, he, he's, you know, he's got a, he's got, Matt Jones has got a good frame. He's grown up a ton the last two years. When he got to campus and him and Jalen Hurts and Tua were all in the QB room, you could tell that he was behind them physically. I think he's grown up a bit, and I like what I'm seeing, man. I, I think he's a guy that could play in the National Football League, and and it's it, he kind of looks like, uh, you know, he's a year or two ahead of Miles Brennan at LSU. He's a little bit stronger frame. He gets it out a little faster, uh, and he's got great players around him. So I like what I'm seeing. I think he could lead that team to a national championship.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, like we talked about earlier, he doesn't have the – he reminds me a little bit of, of A.J. McCarron, where – good player and is going to you are never going to be out of the game with him but doesn't have the raw athletic ability like a tua doesn't have the same same live arm um but i he impressed me as well and has for the first couple weeks yeah he's solid
1: he he, yeah i was just saying you know he's solid he doesn't you know he 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 doesn't really turn the ball over he had a tough one last year uh against auburn but uh, a pick six that really hurt him at the end of the game. But other than that, man, he, he hasn't turned the ball over much in his career. And like you said, he didn't jump off the, he just, he didn't jump off the film at you athletically, but he's just super solid. So, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a Nick Foles type. We saw that guy last night. He's, he didn't, isn't going to do anything unbelievable, but makes it can make every play. So, I mean, I really like him.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with you on all of that. Mine standout for the week is, is, corral with Ole Miss just because you look at how much they're giving up right now on defense, they've got to have him play at a really high level. Otherwise they're not going to be in any games. And, and like you mentioned, 24 of 29 for 329 and four touchdowns and also led the team in rushing. Meanwhile, they're they're stealing some snaps from him with Plumlee and they're running sort of a wildcat package. I think if I'm Lane Kiffin, I get away from that right now. I, I'm just a, a proponent because I lived through it as a player, and I don't know if you ever had to deal with this. This was, I don't know if the wildcat was ever something that in your college or pro career you had to deal with, but man, there's nothing worse than getting yanked off the field or getting split out wide as a receiver on first down. And then you get behind the chains if it doesn't work. And now it's, Hey, bail us out on second and 10 or third and long. I I am not a proponent unless you have just a dynamic Taysom Hill type, unbelievable player in college where you got to get the ball in their hands more. I'm just not a believer in it, but for We're
1: quarterbacks. I mean, we want to have yeah, the, the ball, ball in our players. hands every play. <laughs> we want it every play. We, I, want to, I want the game to be dictated by, by the decisions I make and, and my arm you know, and, and arm strength and accuracy and, and uh, my decision processes. Uh, and so when you put a, a guy in there to run the football and you get behind, uh, you know, down in distance, like you mentioned, and, and now you've got to try to make up for something that was sloppy, it's not a good thing so i think they really need to take a close look at how effective uh, that wildcat can be because some teams have, have really been effective with it and then others haven't so you know it takes a game or two to see what you have offensively uh when you're when you get you know get into different packages that i think they like you said they need to take a good look at, at how it's going uh when they do uh, try to run those those uh, different plays and, and and have some of those different sets in there because corral's been super uh, he's been super duper so far.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Well, to to close things out today, I think each week guys, we're going to be, we'd like to each week we're going to make our picks and we'll track this throughout the year so you can hold us accountable. And if our picks stink, believe me, uh, at least for me, I don't know about Josh, but do not go gamble based on my picks. I assure you, (laughs) you will lose money and uh, I don't, I don't need any uh, hate mail because I've lost you money. So, but we're going to go sort of rapid fire through these. We'll go against the spread. Josh, just any of your general thoughts and also just your picks. So we'll start with uh, with Florida is at A&M and, and Florida's minus six and a half in this one. Who do you like in that one?
1: I like Florida. I think their defense gets better and better every week. They're putting an emphasis on that. They have to, to win the East. Uh, they score a lot of points offensively. A&M's defense is bad. I think 63rd of 67 teams that are now playing football pass defense wise. Uh, A&M, Beat Florida three years ago, nineteen to seventeen, uh, in their last contest against each other. But Mullen wasn't there. Mullen wins this game. Uh, they win 35-21. I like Florida. Minus okay, six
0: love it. I'm going with Florida as well. I think this is going to a And M's going to have their chances to score because Florida's still not very good on defense. But I don't think Kellen Mond's going to be able to keep up with what Kyle Trask and his Florida offense is doing right now. So I'm going Florida as well. Let's go South Carolina's playing at Vanderbilt. South Carolina is 13 and a half point favorites in this one. Who do you like?
1: I think South Carolina wins by two touchdowns. Uh, Same thing, 35-20, you know, something like that, 34-20. I I like them covering the spread. It could be about that two-touchdown number. South Carolina's not unbelievable. On offense, Vandy's defense is decent. It could stay a little closer than that, but I'll take South Carolina. I, I like the favorite in this one, too.
0: I'm right there with you. Just quickly, don't think that uh, that Vandy's going to be able to score enough points to keep this close I, on offense. I think they're pretty limited right now. All right, your alma mater, LSU at Missouri. LSU is, uh, is favorites, as you might imagine, 14 and a half. So that it, it's that two-touchdown window, but a little bit more than that. So who do you like at 14 and a half? Yeah, M- Missouri
1: lost seven players to COVID this week. LSU scoring uh, a lot of points in its first two games. I think our defense will look better. When I say our defense, LSU defense will look better. We were, we were very young. We had 14 guys make first college starts uh, this year for LSU in the first two games. Connor Bazelik, the quarterback at Missouri, is not going to be real productive against the LSU defense. I don't think I like LSU My points. I'll take the favorite again just because they've got too
0: many players out. Well, this will be the first one that, that we disagree on. I'm going to go Missouri in this one. I think LSU they very easily could win by two touchdowns, but I think that that half point I don't love on the line. And I think this is a game where you could see uh, LSU jump out to a lead and then Missouri gets some garbage time points and it ends up being a you know 10 or 13-point loss. So uh, I'm going to go Missouri on this one. Um, let's see, moving right along to Tennessee is at Georgia. And this was this line was a little bit bigger than I thought it would be. Georgia is minus 12 and a half at home to the volunteers. Who do you like?
1: I like Tennessee. Uh, you know, if, if Gorantano doesn't throw any picks, doesn't turn the ball over, they'll keep it close. I don't think Georgia's offense is, is is just unbelievable yet. And they might end up being a great offense down the line, but I think they're a great defense. But Tennessee is going to run the football they're going to run some clock. They're going to try to, you know, try to <laughs> try to play good defense as well. I, You know, I think it's a close game. I, I think Georgia wins by seven, you know, a touchdown. I, I like Tennessee to play up in this game. They've got the longest current winning streak in the SEC. Let's see what they got.
0: I like Tennessee as well. And, and similar to what you said, I don't see, you know, Georgia's not going to go out and score 50 points, right? I don't think they're built for that. And I think Tennessee is going to do just enough to hang around again. I think, I think Georgia wins the game, but I could see this being a a one score win for Georgia. That that wouldn't shock me. Uh, So I'll go, go, uh, Tennessee there as well. Back-to-back underdogs. Let's go Arkansas at Auburn. Auburn is minus 13. What do you, who do you like? Ooh, I kind of like Arkansas. It's, uh,
1: it's been since 2015 that Arkansas has won back-to-back SEC or consecutive SEC games. You know, Auburn beat uh, Arkansas 51-10 to 10 a year ago. So this is a revenge game for Arkansas. A lot of those guys on the team were there, of course, and, and suffered through that loss. Uh, you know, Auburn doesn't look super effective with Chad Morris right now uh, and, and Nick's on offense with Bo Nix. I, I just think that they hadn't looked like they've been uh, – on the same page, to say the least. And I know they're ranked 13th in the country, but Arkansas had a great win last week. They carry a little of that momentum in, uh, into Auburn this week, and they got a win on the road last week. They could play close here. I like them plus the 13 and
0: I'm going to go Auburn with this one. And I'll tell you why I don't think if you look at that win over Mississippi state, that was really based on defense. And I don't think they're going to be able to, uh, I don't think they're going to get a defensive touchdown in this one. And I think that um, it's likely that uh, this ends up being a Felipe Franks and that offense don't score enough to, to keep this one close. So I'm going to go, I'll go Auburn on this one. Um, let's see Mississippi state at Kentucky. This is our closest line of the week. It's virtually a pick It's, it's, Kentucky minus one and a half at home.
1: I like, I like Mississippi state. I'll take them plus the two and a half. Mike Leach, he brings air raid back to, back to Kentucky, where it was birthed. He was there with mommy. And and back in the day, I I think he's got something to prove. He wants to show those guys what's up. Spent a lot of time there. Kentucky hadn't been able to kind of get over the hump and get some wins when they, when they could have, Uh, I think Mississippi state, gets them and they go they're, they're back you know back on top and, and are two and one after this
0: game man I want to go Mississippi State so bad but I I'm gonna go Kentucky here and I love it I'm <laughs> almost I'm almost willing this to happen because I want them to get their first win of the season can, can this Kentucky team is I think too good to be oh and three in the first three games of the season so I'm gonna go Kentucky I think they maybe even a last second field goal or even an overtime type win but I'm going to go Kentucky I think they get their first win this week last one this spread this is huge Uh, if I were actually gambling on these games I would stay far away from this one because it's just such a massive line but Alabama at Ole Miss Bama's getting 23 and a half sorry Ole Miss is getting 23 and a half Bama is favored by 23 and a half who do you like Josh Well,
1: I'll talk a little bit about Ole Miss first. Jonathan Mingo, the receiver, he's having a great year. Uh, Elijah Moore, wonderful, too, on the perimeter uh, for Ole Miss. But explosive plays by Bama against that Ole Miss defense. Bama's going to score as much as they want to. Sarkeesian uh, has those guys playing really well offensively. Way too many weapons. Uh, and they play sound defense as well. I like Bama minus 23 and a half. They didn't cover last week. I think they covered this week. I think it's, it's you know, 50, 56, 17. I think Bama rolls them.
0: Man, I, uh, <laughs> like I said, this one terrifies <laughs> me. Because I'm, I mean, I could totally see, Exactly like you just said, I could also see Ole Miss at home score some points. They lose by 20, and you're like, well, they still got blown out, but they covered. Um, I'm going to go Bama in this one, and and like you said, only because I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to score enough to keep up, and Bama is going to score – I would imagine most times that they have the football against this Ole Miss defense. So I'll, I'll go Bama as well. And again, guys, we're going to track these every week. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on on both of our picks and track these as the season goes along. And like I said, please, at least for me, I don't know about Josh, but at least for me, please do not go gamble your hard earned money on my picks here because uh, I, I certainly not a professional handicapper. So um we appreciate it thank you guys for tuning in josh i don't know if you have anything else but i'm excited about the sec this year i think there there are some teams that are surprising me i think there's some fun storylines and I, this is going to be another we've got a good slate of games coming up this weekend we do
1: i love the fact tennessee goes to georgia florida goes to a&m a&m's in dire need of, of playing a really good solid football game we've got seven teams in the top 25 in the usa today Uh, Of course, four of them square off, uh, so there's two top 25 games. Those are them. I'll be watching it close. I can't wait to see what happens. I also love the Mississippi State at Kentucky game. I'm glad we talked a little bit about it. Mike Leach going back home, that one's going to be a fun one. Well,
0: I'm right there with you. This is uh, it's really for the SEC. to. I mean, the SEC kind of always has the spotlight, you know, just to be candid. But this bizarre season where the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are still not in the fold yet, each week, it feels like the games, it doesn't matter what the SEC matchup is. There's still the marquee game. Last week, Ole Miss and Kentucky was a fantastic game that in a normal season probably isn't getting much attention. Um, but again, just excited that we're, we're I think I'm, I'm proud of all of these programs. I think there, you know, there's been a lot said about the product on the field to this point. It's just bizarre without having fans in the stands. But I'm proud of these teams and these kids for buying in and doing what they have to do to get on the field and get these games in and get this season in. But anyway, Josh, appreciate it as always, guys. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Twitter, Josh Booty 10, and I'm at T McCarg 16. I'll spell that out for you. M-C-H-A-R-G-U-E 16. And uh, you can find this podcast on all the normal outlets, Spotify, iTunes, the App Store, across the board. And, uh, again, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will be back again with you next week. Thanks, everybody.